Welcome to OKHR OK Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their story, what makes them tick. Hi, Rob. How are you? Uh, Tara, I'm, I'm a little stressed right now, and it's odd because all day long has been great. Yes. Last Easter weekend was nice, calm. Right. And we start the Zoom call, and all things just go crazy and break loose. Uh, the most stressful thing from working at home, I think, is if you have pets and animals and, and things. And as soon as we came on this, all my animals just went berserk because right. somebody went to the door. Right. So uh, that was a little uh, unsettling, but <laughs> everything's calm now. And I am very, very, very excited for this conversation. Extremely. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I mean, there's really not anything I can say back to you in regards to animals, except that I have a dog that likes to bark really loudly, too. And so I think we've had a couple of conversations when one of us has worked at home and we've heard the background noises uh -huh. of knowing our dogs barking. But this has nothing to do, nothing, with who, nothing to do with who our guest is yeah. today. Our guest today is Shaylin Jackson. And I'm going to call her Shay, but it's Shaylin Jackson. I think she goes by both, but she will she will correct us either way. But um, Shaylin currently work, is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at the City of Oklahoma City. And she also has her own consulting group. She has worked in many different roles. I saw in these Walmart. She worked out, out of Bentonville. She worked for Dollar General. She worked... Uh, O-N-G, I believe. One Oak. One Oak. Okay, one Oak. Same building uh, in Tulsa. And also uh, is currently the OKHR DE&I chair. And she also, in 2020, uh, received the DE&I Excellence um, Award by OKHR. And um, I'm saying DE&I. And for those of you who are not in the HR space, DE&I stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And um, in addition to this, Shay also received her bachelor's and master's from OU. She just told us, so she's going to tell us a little bit more, that she's also uh, giving input to the OU program about DE&I. So I think really this whole day, our conversation is going to be DE&I. So I'm so excited to welcome Ms. Shaylin Jackson. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. And yes, you are right, Shaylin or Shay. Okay. <laughs> so either works. Oh, goody. Yeah, because, you know, we want to get to the point, get right in there, and, you know, too many syllables, right? I mean, just Shay, right on in. You <laughs> <laughs> work. <laughs> well, we are so excited that um, you just said to us that you uh, work for, in the, for the city of Oklahoma City that you work in the mayor's office. I mean, I want to hear your history and about you too, but I just wonder, does he come tromping down the hallway to you? That and you get so funny. <laughs> no, he is not here often. So I should explain, technically, um, the city manager and the mayor's offices are in one. Um, and so I report to the city manager, but the mayor sits, I can see his um, executive assistant right outside my door. So, but no, I don't see him often. Um, he's really big about community, being in the community. So I don't, I don't see him that much. I, you know what? That's a leader. That's a leader. He is definitely a leader. It's really hard to lead from behind a desk. So well done. Okay. Well, 
I'd love to hear if you would tell us a little bit about your background and how it how it led to what you currently do and really what I see and having this little bit of conversation with you, what is actually your passion? So can you oh, yes. tell us about you? About you. What yes. do you have to do? Definitely. So I like to say that my life prepared me for this work. I mean, anything from my father was incarcerated most of my life. I'm sure people are like, whoa, they went straight there on the podcast. That is that's what you get with me, though. <laughs> my father was incarcerated most of my life. Um, and now he's no longer with us. Raised by a single mother, my maternal grandparents, um, you know, really leaned in and helped um, as much as they could. Uh, first generation college graduate. Um, I have alopecia, have had alopecia since I was age of six. The list goes on. Right. And so when I look at all of the things that should have made me a quote unquote statistic, um, all of the things that should have really gotten in the way of my success, if you will, or, um, you know, going as far in life as I desire to, um, you know, I look at those things and, and they really are what got me here. Um, you know, all everything in my childhood is what really pushed me to say I want to go to college. Um, when I left college, um, I worked for Walmart the first go round um, and I was in asset protection and an assistant manager. But my last role at the time was uh, asset protection. But I was like, I want to go to the HR side. Um, and so, yeah, got an HR when got my master's um, and got an HR. And it was from there that I day one met someone um, at One Oak by that had the title diversity and inclusion program manager. I had no clue what that meant. No clue. I did not know this existed as a field. First time I met her, I said, hey, will you be my mentor? I now know that is not how you find a mentor to just put them on the spot like that. Um, but either way, it worked out. And here I am years later doing and loving, to your point, my passion, my purpose. Um, it, it's much more than work to me. Yeah. So I think that, um, I mean, you threw out a whole bunch of things in there that could <laughs> could hold someone back or they create a story in their head, not create a story, but have a, a limitation that people sit, I mean, you know, sit on ourselves stating, I can't do this because of this. Right. And what do you think prompted you to say, nope, I'm going to keep moving. I'm not going to be stalled out by something that may be in my history or maybe part of me or maybe just in my community, what prompted you to keep moving? Well, one, and you know, a lot of this, um, it, it equates to my, my job because I say that, you know, one access, my mom, my grandparents, um, they made sure that we were, we had quality, um, you know, education. They made sure that, um, access wasn't an issue as much as they could, you know, single mom, but she did what she could. She, she worked a lot, made sure, you know, I went, for example, um, on a trip. I turned 16 in Paris because I was on a trip, um, student and student, stu people to people, student ambassadors, um, you know, things like that. She had no clue to go look for those opportunities. But when they showed up at the door, she said, let's go to the informational session. Um, and I say that it has a lot to do with my job. Um, I really don't like calling it a job, but y'all know what I mean. Um because that's what that's what it's about. It's about giving people access um, and making sure that people have the opportunity, equitable opportunities to do do things. And so um, I look at the access that I was given um, or provided. I also look at the people in my life that believed in me um, to this day. You know, I, I talk about mentorship all the time. 
people need mentors, people need sponsors. Um, and I learned at a really young age how important having people in your corner, um, how important that is to your career, to your success. Um, and really leaning on what I like to say, you know, are my my personal board of directors. Who do I trust to lead and advise me, whether it's on personal or, or professional things? Um, and really, I, I say my personal board of directors from a really young age are, are the reason I am where I'm at today. And I would say my mom is a president of that board. <laughs> well done. Did she, whenever you said that... Uh, things were presented to you and your, your mom said, let's go check it out. Was this through school? Was it through other things? I mean, yeah. like church or something else that said, okay, well, here's an opportunity. Let's go do this yeah. thing that seems creative or curious or different. Or I would say all of the above. Um, like I said, she made sure that I was at really, really, really strong schools to the best of her ability. Um, you know, she would also, when you talk about church, my grandparents were really, really big um, when it came to Victory Christian Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's a mega church. So a lot of opportunity, a lot of access. Um, so, yeah, a lot of times it was just, you know, what came in the mail, what came in your backpack today? What did the church talk about? Just really always listening for opportunities that may be something that, um, you know, aligned with where I was trying to go. Yeah, I just, yeah. I think those things that are, that are, you think small or young that don't make you, you can't imagine that they will make impact. Right. But at the age of, I don't know, I'm sitting here looking six, 10, five. I mean, you obviously made a choice too. I mean, your, your, your mother made a choice and your grandparents made a choice, but you also made a choice of, okay. I mean, are you a curious person? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely curious. You know, I, I see it in my four-year-old. I have a four-year-old and, um, you know, it, it really is about letting her explore the world um, as big or as little as her world is um, and just really trying the best I can when she says that she's interested in something, going to figure out more about that or giving her access, right, um, to different people or opportunities that help her explore, is that really what you want? And sometimes you figure out, okay, this is not my jam. Right. not what I want to do. Right. Um, just kidding, JK, JK. And then other times you really lean in. So obviously she's four. We don't know yet what is her right. jam. Um, right. But she is quick to say, okay, never mind. I don't want to do that. And that's okay, too. Um, that's okay. And, and, you know, tying it to HR, tying it to what we – um, you know, how we're trying to lead our people. It's just really saying, give people opportunity and, and no, it might not always work out, but um, that's okay. Failure is not final. Um, and really giving people the opportunity to stumble. In my case, I stumbled into what ended up being my passion and purpose. Um, giving people the opportunity to do so is important. I keep reading a lot of books um, anymore that talk about, you know, it, failing. And, and I feel like in our I'm just going to say culture that there's an assumption that you have to be perfect and it's mm -hmm. not, I mean, you learned something because maybe you tripped over something and then that led to wherever your interest was or, you know, maybe anyway, I just think that God, we, we need to also grasp that, that failing or falling or, you know, whatever the term is yeah. that it's okay. I mean, let's yeah. just, and how people pick themselves up, dust off and move to the next step. That's, you know, I don't know the whole thing. Okay. Well, go ahead. Um, so we already started saying, stating, and we've, we've obviously established this, that DE&I is your passion, but how 
would you break this down and tell us how we should define diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah. So diversity is the noun. Um, those are the people in your organization that are different. And where two or more people are there, um, there's diversity, right? To, to oversimplify this. <laughs> um, and then inclusion is the verb. It's what we do. It's really the behaviors and the practices and the things that we do to create a culture where all of our people feel like they um, belong. Uh, belonging is a, is a big word you're seeing a lot right now. Um, but yeah, inclusion is, that's the action to get us there. Um, to where people ultimately feel like they belong. So if I was to oversimplify it, it is that diversity is a noun and inclusion is the verb. Okay. And then I think I saw something that had been written where you were asked the question, equitable and equity, and mm-hmm. that there is a difference there. Um, right. Can you explain that for us too? Absolutely. This is huge. So a lot of people think that it, uh, equality and equity are the same thing, and they are not, um, and both have their place. So equality is about giving everyone equal things, um, but equity is about giving everyone what they need to succeed. And that's huge because if you think about, you know, even when we talked about my upbringing, what I needed ultimately for my success, um, whether it's based in experiences or, you know, tangible things or education is different than what the next person needs. Um, And so it's really important for people to understand the differences between the two um, and when, which one we're trying to apply in any given scenario. Because a lot of times when people think about DNI, they're like, oh, here we go, giving everybody a handout, giving everybody, some people don't, they don't want you know, anything from you. They just want to be able to do their job. And then other people are like, if you give me, you know, access to this one thing and then move out the way, I'm ready to go. Um, But this isn't about giving handouts and giving people things that it is that, you know, they don't deserve. Um, It's really about giving people resources so that they can then thrive. Yeah. So, so Shay, can you break that, break that down for us in a little bit more specifics? What would be some examples um, of, of equity? Absolutely. I'm really glad you asked that. So mentorship, we talked about it already. As you can tell, that is, that's my thing, right? Um, mentorship. So a lot of times people feel that mentorship is um, equitable. That's not the case because like gravitates towards like. And if we are not intentional as leaders to implement like mentorship programs or practices, then people end up being mentored that tend to look like the leadership team. I want to be really clear that this is not in every organization and it's not necessarily something that people should feel guilty about. But typically leadership teams look, they are all white men. And so if white men are mentoring other if younger white men, who's going to take their position when they retire? It's going to be white men. Right. I am not saying don't mentor white men. But what I am saying is that there are other people that are looking for the opportunity to be mentored to then be able to thrive um, and better succeed in organizations. So the equity piece, Rob, in this is create a mentor program and give people opportunity to apply. That's not making everyone take mentorship because some people want to stay exactly where they are for the rest of their career. That's okay. (laughs) But if you want access to a mentor, you get access to a mentor because our organization prioritizes your development. That's equity. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I just thought your whole day, I'm going to guess, is strategic. 
Like your whole day is strategic. Mm -hmm. So tell us whenever you decided this is what this theme, action, input is, is what I see I can help and I can make a change. What was that that you said, okay, I see this and now let's go do this. What, like, can you give us an example of something in, you know, prior work or whatever that you were like, oh, here's my project and here's how I just made it sing. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about mentorship. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> when I first got to the city, um, I did, I went on a listening tour. I talked to a bunch of leaders and a bunch of them. I wish I could talk to everyone, but we have almost 5,000 employees, but I talked to a lot of people. Um, and I said, Hey, tell me about your experience at the city. You've been here a couple years. You've been here 30, you've been here 40. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your experience. Um, and there was an overwhelming amount of people that said either I had to go find the mentorship myself, or I had to go find the resources myself. Um, and really, you know, just had to uh, figure it out. Or there were people that were saying leaders that were like, I want to have more access to people, but I don't want to show favoritism. And I don't want to, you know, the, the, there's a lot of things there. Um, I just don't know. And I don't have enough time to mentor a lot of people. Therefore, I just I don't mentor any. And like I just said, most times we say that, but, you know, the times at the golf course or the times at the happy hours afterwards, that's mentorship. But people weren't tying it to that. Right. Um, and who are you going to the golf course and happy hours with? Um, but even uh, either way, a number, one other thing that I kept hearing was, I don't know what I need to be successful in the organization. So maybe soft skills or human skills is what we're calling them nowadays. Um, it's not my problem, but I don't know much about accounting or I don't know much about our city manager form of government or I don't know much about council. Um, what do I do? We said, let's come up with an answer for that. So created a mentor circle program. But what's unique about our mentor circle program, to your point about being strategic, we don't have, leaders don't have a lot of time, right? So let's figure out how to get everything that we needed in this program. Every other month, a group of employees meets with their mentors. And then the opposite months, they meet with um, department representatives from key departments. All departments are key. But the five that we selected, accounting, city manager, um, uh, there's a few others out there, planning, um, a trust, what's a trust, um, and then the mayor's, the mayor's office, We're, you're going to meet with them and you're going to find out more about their roles. So every other month, they're sitting with these representatives through these presentations to learn what it is that they don't know, but need to know more about to succeed in the organization. So when we talk about strategy, um, it, it's really things like that. Like, how do we, how are we really effective um, and impactful in the programs that, that we create? Um, and then how do we implement them? So what I'll end with is we just had our mid, um, midpoint survey and out of 70 employees or participants, 50 to, 52 took the survey and 50 out of the 52 said 100% will recommend it. I really you know, hope that I have an opportunity to continue to engage. That right there means a lot. And it took a lot of people and it, and it was very strategic and we continue to be strategic yeah. in the implementation. Yeah. Working in a uh, city government world is different than being in corporate in it. <laughs> oh, 100%. I will tell you, though, I will tell you that uh, while some of it is like, what, we're still doing that on paper or what, we're still doing that. 
I will tell you that the heart of my people, I could I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. Um, I really, I never saw myself in the government and now I never see myself out. <laughs> really? <laughs> because um, the nature of the work that we do is servant, servant leadership. And so um, where, you know, at a lot of the private organizations, and not all, but a lot of times in the private sector, um, you get more res- resistance to this work. I really haven't been met with much resistance. I really haven't. And that's including, you know, the controversial topics like our police department. Our chief of police is always open to hearing what he thinks that, what I think that we he could be doing or the department could be doing. We just last week had our, our very first Langston Day. And all that took for me to talk to Chief Borley about was, hey, we're trying to build a relationship with Langston. You know, do you want to learn more about their criminal justice department or college? Yes, we could even look into internships. That's from him, right? right. One thing led to another. We worked with their recruiting team as well as our municipal, municipal courts department. And we created a Langston Day. Langston happens to be our only HBCU here um, in Oklahoma, which is a historically black college and university, right? That's a big deal. And right. a lot of people would not imagine the narrative is that our police department doesn't care, right? right. And that's just anywhere. The narrative is that right. police don't care. Right. I can tell you that's not the case here. That's right. not the case. And so I know that that was not related to how you started that question, but uh, really, I, I really, really enjoy working in the government because people, their hearts, they're like, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'll do it. Let's do it. <laughs> if it's about being better, better to people, I want to do it. Um, and I'm loving it. That's I I that's a that's a gold star. I mean, the best way to say it that because you know our, our whole goal, I feel like in HR is that not that we're trying to create change all the time, but I mean, I think if you're growing as a person or in a business or anything, you have to be open. And I know that's kind of a theme that I tend to say all the time, but you have to be open. And it sounds like you're already starting with a foot ahead with people being open. Right. to, you know, hear something different or try something different. And that's exciting. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. And, and I want to be really clear. I'm sure that there are people that are, are still not completely like understanding or, sure. you know, excited that I'm here. But I'll tell you, it's, it's a world of difference um, from the people that in other areas or other sectors and industries that are like very vocal, like, yeah. And I want to be really clear that also that when I got into this role, there was a lot of there were a lot of vocal people, but they were not our employees. There were our residents and there weren't many, but saying, why are you doing this? This is not the right way to go. Someone expressed <clears throat> someone expressed at one point, you know, hey, this is not the right way to go. I sat through this class and this one person said this bad thing and now I don't like DNI at all. And in my mind, I'm like, that's exactly what DNI is right there in terms of understanding that every individual is just that an individual. And so to generalize and say that your one bad experience with DNI is what DNI is, is very unfortunate. Um, but I say all that just to say that's where the resistance has been. Um, our employees has been very receptive. Yeah. Um, I we were chatting a little bit before we started this about being that, you know, every day, and I'm going to put this, um, giving terms, you're a disruptor, mm-hmm. you're an advocate, you're a change agent, you're all these things. And 
if someone were just to say, oh, it's only based on, I mean, you, you started this. I, you started the conversation to say, I am this and this and this, where we could only put somebody in one silo. It has to be draining. It has to be um, so, um, you know, I, I just feel like if you're telling someone every day, here is how I feel. This is my experience. If I am, if, if I have a question, what is my best way to come up and to ask? Yeah. Tell me about, tell, I mean, because it's like, if somebody comes to me and asks me a question about my personal self, I'm not on, I'm not on display every day. Um, you know, I mean, in, in that manner. And so, I'm like, well, how do we how do we do this differently? How how can we do this differently? Yeah. To create this, conversation. Right. Um, this is the time that I remind people that DNI is relational. Mm. So when you are in relationship with people, you find yeah. those things out organically. But a lot of times nowadays, something big will happen in the world. People will mm -hmm. be like, ah, oh, who's my one black friend or who's yeah. my, you know, one friend that's in the LGBTQ community and then they'll call yes. that one person and it's like good night you called me three days ago when something happened in the world yeah that's where a lot of the exhaustion comes from you need more right. than one black friend right right <laughs> you need right. your friend group um but even with that whenever we're in a relationship with people these kind of things happen and you know that we discuss them organically Mm -hmm. um, and so one, it won't be a surprise to us when something happens in the world, because it's something that our friend has already organically expressed is a real thing for their community. Right. Um, but also we'll understand how our friend wants to be addressed. Uh, and we'll understand how our friend wants to be asked that question. Any of my friends know, call Shay anytime. Doesn't even have to be something big in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm an open book, but that's me. Um, yeah. and not everyone's like that. And we learn that through relationships. Right. I I um, have listened to a few podcasts where where there's conversations of um, of persons who had been friends and um, but whenever a, a big event had occurred, finally the one the white male called his black male friend and said, "I've ne I've been friends with you for twenty years. We've we've written books. We've done all these things, but they never had 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 a deep dive conversation, and it allowed them. They set aside time, and I think the biggest I would say the sweetest thing that I heard from it was the the white gentleman asked his black friend, "May I ask you? Yeah. May May I ask you?" And it just it allowed for the opportunity for the per for the other person to say you know, I, I'm not your person or yes, yep, but yep. let me, let me gird myself, <laughs> you know, or not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the right way to state that. I love that. And it's important to add that no matter what that friend did or didn't say, right. So whether that friend said, no, I'm not the person or yes, I am. It's important to have those conversations times 10, because we can't assume that that one person's answer is the answer of all black men, right? Right. Um, and it's just really important to, to say that because I've been in a situation before where a leader was, and a leader being a CEO, um, was responsible for making a decision and talked to one black person that they trusted and said, well, this person said that, that this isn't needed, so it's not needed. 
Meanwhile, the DNI team had heard from multiple Black people and saying, we really need this. But because his access or the person he had given access to him um, and allowed to influence him didn't need it, I can respect that as well. Yeah, That's okay. This person doesn't have to leverage this one resource that we're talking about. We have a whole bunch of Black people that are saying they need it. I want to be really clear. This work isn't just about um, Black and white either. I know that we're talking about race a lot right now, but uh, we have a lot of dimensions of diversity, right? Um, That was just one of our examples. Right. Yeah. It's just really important to diversify and and like have more than that one Black friend. Um, Yeah. So in that, so tell us about how, I mean, and I feel like probably working where you currently work, you probably see it, I wouldn't say more easily, but I just feel like, you know, there we have to have, I mean, the government helps us to say, hey, we might need a ramp or, hey, we might need something that al- allows someone who might have um, a disability in walking stairs to get somewhere. There are things that are potentially changed, you know, that I, I can't even remember, just like, but if you're building permits that you have to have, you know, something that says this or something, you know, just allowing people access. And so how do you, how are we missing the gap here? I mean, what is something else that we're missing the gap in? Um, not asking and not listening. Um, and that goes for a, just in general, we don't ask, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, whenever people, one time we were planning a Veterans Day event and, and it wasn't here, just at an organization. And by the time we had, you know, we were well into planning and, and a veteran heard about some of the plans that we had and they were like, we don't want that. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you ask us what we wanted? Yeah. And the answer there was really, we did give, you know, an email went out to say who's interested in helping planning. And, and one thing that veterans will tell you often, let's not generalize, not always the case, but a lot of veterans are like, that's like planning your own birthday party. I don't want to plan my own birthday party. I didn't do, I didn't serve for this reason. I don't need any recognition. And so we hadn't had any veterans raise their hand. So we thought that that was our green lights, just <laughs> plan away and not at least run it by some veterans. And so that's just an example right there where it's like, you don't, people don't even ask. Oftentimes we plan stuff, you know, whether it's for communities or whoever, whatever the constituent group is that we're serving our customers, we don't even ask what it is that they need. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we ask and don't listen. It's like we ask to do our due diligence. Like, oh, okay, we checked that box, but this is really what we want to do. They didn't tell you that they wanted that. Right, right. <laughs> so it, it goes, it's fundamental, asking and listening. Were you integral in Disrupt HR in Tulsa? I I have presented in Disrupt okay. HR. Okay. Okay. And can you tell us, uh, we've spoken with another person who uh, I think was on the, she helped plan with it at one point, but tell us a little bit about that. And is that something that has, uh, that is only in Tulsa, is that correct? Or is there a, a function out of Oklahoma City? Oklahoma too? now, because they've okay. done it in Oklahoma City and, and it's okay. pretty virtual. So it's hard, right? COVID is kind of Change yeah. things because it's hard to say only. It's in, pivot. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure they've done it in Oklahoma City as well. Okay. Okay. Um, if if a business is saying, "Gosh, you know, we are, we know this this is 
we need to do better. What's the first thing that you would tell them that let's do this? Let's well, let's hear where to start. Right. Besides. So one, a lot of a lot of businesses try to do this work by not hiring someone mm-hmm. who has like is informed and understands DNI. They will typically just give it to somebody. And typically that someone happens to be in this case, it's usually either a woman and or a person of color. So give it to the black woman in HR just mm-hmm. and add it to that person's job duties. Give it to the black man. Give it to the, you know, mm-hmm. gay man. Like what? It, just because someone is marginalized does not mean that they understand this work and neither, <laughs> nor does it mean that they want to do this work. So yeah. that's where the first fail. Um, and even if they're excited about the work, to assume that this is just something that someone can do a couple hours a week is problematic. Um, so you need someone that is solely dedicated to this internally. Um, and you need to give that person a team, um, even if it's a part of the plan long term. OK, I understand to just snap your finger and be able to have the budget for a 10 person team. It's not always easy, but it needs to be a priority. And people need to understand that it's a part of the roadmap. Um, you know, you said earlier, I do consult, but I'm really big even in my consultations that I am here to help you either in the next iteration of your plan or get your plan started. But to show your people that you are serious about this, you need someone dedicated internally at all times. And you need it, this position to be elevated and this person needs to have access to the CEO, period, full stop. A lot of times people want to be like, OK, we will hire a DNI um, person and it'll be like an entry level position. Nothing is wrong with entry level. But in this case, if you want people to see that you're serious, you need to elevate this. People don't have issues making a VP of finance or a VP of, you know, HR. Um, so why is it hard to be a VP or even a director of DNI, depending on structure? You know, sometimes it's director. Um, but those are the kind of conversations that we need to be having. If you And you need to be able to give, be open and willing to give them budget, um, period. A lot of times it's like, go do this as a part of your job. I'm not going to give you any extra money to do it. And I'm not going to give you any budget to execute it. That's all problematic. And then <laughs> after you keep going enough for success, um, a lot of people fear engagement surveys. How do you fix something if you don't know it's broken? Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of leaders do not. And I know that I'm, I'm really tugging on my HR people's heartstrings here. Many HR people understand, but oftentimes leaders are like, no, 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 no. I don't want to pull the cover off. And a lot of times I see that it's with, with good intention because they're like, what if they tell us something we can't fix? Then you tell them why we can't fix it. Right. Because either way right now they want it. And so now you don't even have the opportunity to address what they want because you are standing in the middle of the room with your ears closed um, with your hands over your ears. And so um, that's really one of the biggest things is as soon as you're willing to hire someone for DNI. Being willing to do an employee engagement survey um, and, and go from there. Yeah. So uh, I'm hearing a bunch of things in my head spinning because I think of, and I love the comment about having the person have access or be able to influence. Because I can think about someone, you know, hey, you just finished college and it's your first job. They don't even, I mean, I, I sit there and think of somebody even starting their new job. They don't even know how it works internally. Like, who do you go to? How, how do I get this done? Where do I go get my phone? I mean, and so, and then you're saying, hey, this person, you're a new entry level position. How do you even, you know, 
spread influence whenever, you know, so I get that. That makes, yeah, I, I think that's a great point to make. And then I also think I always hop back to, we spoke with Carolyn Shockey at one point and she talked about, I mean, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to her um, podcast because she talked about, she went to um, an organization and they had, like 14% on a scale from zero to a hundred percent of satisfaction, 14%. And she talked about all those things of talking to employees once they, they received the input and feedback and said, what would make this do better? How can we change it here? Here are suggestions. And, Oh, you said you wanted this. We did this and tell them or right. tell them why we can't. I mean, all those things are so important. And I just, it, you know, people. I, I feel like there's so many times we get we gather the data, but then we don't turn around and say, "Here's what we're doing with it." Mm -hmm. We appreciate you. We're so glad you were willing to share with us. Right. Right. So, anyway, soapbox. Just, just really, <laughs> just real quick, what you said based on influence. Oftentimes, too, you know, leading through influence is a skill, and it is a skill that has to be developed. <laughs> it is not something you can. You know, it, it comes natural for some people, but for most people, and like the the important part in like my role is not really leading from a lot of authority in terms of like you know me owning decisions. It's more influencing decisions that are made and helping leaders understand and influencing leaders in understanding how do I do this inclusively. Yeah. So to your point, if this is someone that is entry level, they're worried about like, well, if I say the wrong thing, like it may be, it is a skill and these conversations are hard. So you have to yeah. learn how to have these hard conversations. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for entry level B&I positions. People got to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. Right. But right. that needs to be under a director or VP or um, CDO. So I just wanted to add that, that we're leading from influence and that is a skill. Right. So when you were at Walmart, the and whenever I read it, and I can't, I don't have your information in front of me right now as far as what your exact title was there, but I do remember that it was DE and I there. Was that for the corporate office, or was it for a um, a location? So D, um, their DNI, it's a part of the Global Culture Diversity and Inclusion Team, okay. um, and so theirs reaches globally. Okay, so. So your job there, you were like worldwide. Your decisions were worldwide. Our, yes, we influence the global. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see, influence. <laughs> we influence um, globally, yes. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, you're big time. Well, well done. You're so well, funny. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We talked about something whenever we were on the, uh, before we started, the, uh, having this conversation. Okay. I want to go there. You brought it up. Yes. So we just had a really kind of a crazy, uh, I don't even know what it was. What was it? Grammys? What was, what were the Academy awards? Academy awards, the Academy awards. awards show. Okay. There was yeah. a big deal that just happened. Yes. And then, so Rob, do you want to tell the situation and then I'll ask my question? Are you asking me to tell the situation of the Academy Awards? Yes. Uh, what Chris, happened? Uh, Chris Rock is coming out telling jokes. We have uh, in the crowd Will Smith and Jada Pickett-Smith, who Jada is also has alopecia, 
yes. which is something I really didn't even know about before this. Um, he tells he tells a joke about her being in G.I. Jane 2. And uh, that um, upset Will because he, he, he embarrassed his wife, who yes. then got on stage and struck him. So that's the backstory okay. there. Yeah. That brought, that brought this to life. Right. So this was brought to life. And um, then I see a LinkedIn message from Miss Shailene Jackson. And uh, and tell and you tell your truth and your story. Would you like to share that here? Yeah, the short of the message uh, was just, I think I opened it with something like, what happened to Jada last night was exactly why it took me 17 years to share my truth. Yeah. Um, and then I go into saying, you know, so I do this for the little girl that runs up to me in Walmart or ran up to me in Walmart um, and her dad followed her crying saying she's never seen no one, anyone that looks like her. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I do this for my daughter who's four or if nothing else for her to understand, um, you know, what it looks like to be authentically in love with yourself um, and just really was encouraging people about self-love. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of people that did not see that part of the message. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you, I mean, this is getting touchy-feely here, but can you unpack that part about the self-love? Because I just got goosebumps as you were telling that story, because I think there are a lot of times we don't give ourselves credit, grace, all those things. And I, I think what you just said is profound. We need to hear that. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, having alopecia since the age of, of six, uh, I felt, especially I will say as a black woman, you are taught by society that your hair is your crown and your glory and you need hair to succeed. And that's society, period. Um, society is like bald women. No, especially back in the day. Nowadays, you're seeing more and more of it. But so I just always felt like society was not would not accept me. Um, and I hid um, what I, you know, what they call now covering in terms of covering a part of yourself, especially when it comes to your professional life. But I wore wigs and I am not saying that wigs are bad, but when wigs became bad for me was the day that I didn't want to wear them anymore, but I continued to wear them because I thought that I had to, um, I thought I had to, su to succeed. And I remember the Thursday when I said no more, I'm not doing this anymore. I called my then boyfriend, now husband. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And he said, don't. And I'm like, what? You don't care. Okay, let me call my mom. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And she's like, about time. And I'm like, you don't care either. <laughs> What's going on? And the short of it is, you know, I walked in on a Friday and I, and I almost told myself, wait till Monday. And I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this. I am going now on Friday. Walked into One Oak and I said, um, you know, this is who I am. And I say specifically, I say One Oak because, you know, I was telling myself the 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 organization's not ready for me. And I'm like, well, one, being in DNI, how do you tell people, you know, oh, we really believe in inclusion and you're not showing people that that's the case. Yeah. Um, you're not living your truth, but telling other people to, to give the organization a chance. And I also say, I wanted to say one of, because I have to give them so much credit. I mean, they were ready for me. <laughs> yeah. They were ready. Um, the day I walked in, I really like to say my career came to life because I was able to walk my truth. I wasn't covering anymore. Um, so my productivity was able to thrive because I wasn't worried about someone asking me about my wigs or touching my hair. It's really rude to pet people, but you have no clue how many times I've been pet in my life. 
Um, and those kind of things weren't something I worried about in my, I was able to succeed and thrive in my career. I'll also say that um, it was that Friday, I had a white man by the name of Scott come into my office. And I will never forget when Scott said, why'd you cut your hair? And I was like, I didn't. And that was the first time I was able to have a and quivering, y'all. Like this is the first time I'm able to have a conversation about who I am. And to this day, if Scott needs me, I will call because he yeah. stopped whatever it was that he was mm. doing. I'm sure whatever he was walking to the printer for was more important at that time. Um, but you you couldn't have convinced me of that because he sat in my cube and he talked about it. I was able to talk about, you know, what led me to that day. Um, right. That's what people need. Wow. Talk about loyal. I was so loyal for that company. I was so loyal to yeah. Scott <laughs> yeah. um, because I was able to walk in my truth and, and really fall in love with myself. So you going back to the question about self-love, um, you could not pay me to wear a wig unless I wanted to. <laughs> I don't care what society says. I don't want to be hot anymore. Some of them itch, not all of them. I don't want to do it. Um, and yeah. so I, yeah, I wake up and I love who I see. Um, if my hair came back one day, cool. But if it doesn't, it's all right. So great. Yes. So big, so bold. So thank you for also mentioning Scott too, because I love that part because it is, yeah. I feel what I hear too is having the guts to come back and, and be curious and say, you know, well done. Well, I mean, I, that's awesome. I, I would have been terrified. I would have been so terrified. I hate getting my hair cut and somebody saying, oh, did you cut an inch? That This is big. This is big. Good for you. Well, and I'll say it goes back to what I said earlier about relationships, right? That wasn't the first conversation I ever had with Scott. Scott didn't know about my alopecia, but I created a container in which Scott was felt comfortable talking to me and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of cross-cultural relationships that we need. When I say cross-cultural, I mean, Scott was well on the other end of his career. Um, he, you know, anything different than me than you can imagine. It was Scott, different religion, race, like everything. Um, but our ability to, you know, really connect and have a relationship, it took both of us. And so mm -hmm. when that day came, um, it was easy for him to pop into my queue because, we had a relationship. Mm. Okay, that's a really special. That's really special. I still am sitting here going, yeah. Ah, uh, that's all. Uh, okay. All right, bring it in. Bring it in. So we've talked about big, heavy things, and um, and really we've gotten close to being our time. But I know that there's other stuff that I want to that we would love to hear about from you and. Can you tell us about volunteer roles that you've been in and, and things that you've taken away from that and being able to share? Yes. So one of the biggest volunteer roles um, for me is with Tara, the Tulsa Area Human Resource Association. I was the um, VP of DNI, and in that role, I was responsible for organizing. Um, well, really leading a team because I want to be really clear that conferences and you just came out of a conference. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> conferences are hard and you do not organize that by yourself you get a lot of volunteers um but sorry so <laughs> leading a team of people that put on the return on inclusion summit which is oklahoma's largest diversity and inclusion conference oh that's what i meant to say that was the conference sorry and i said disrupt hr and start anyway yes no, sorry okay. I, I was a part of disrupt hr too <laughs> <laughs> um but with 
return on inclusion summit, one thing that it taught me was that skill I was telling you about leading with influence, because y'all, one of the hardest things to do is to lead volunteers. They're motivated differently, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and what I will say, I can put a plug in for any of my recruiters or hiring managers that, that are listening. When you are looking for somebody with leadership um, experience, look at people that have led volunteers because it is a skill like no other. They're not, mo- you don't have money to motivate them. Um, you don't have performance reviews to motivate them. Um, and so a lot of times what you see are the people that, you know, they're committed to it because that is, that's their nature and that's what they're passionate about. Um, but then a lot of other times you have to find other things that motivate people. And so that's one thing that I learned. Um, another thing that I learned, and and I don't want to say the organization, um, because, um, I also learned volunteering in one of my roles that it is okay to say no. Um, I was really in a position of volunteering for an organization that was a great organization. It just was not my passion. And what I had to realize was, and I helped them find someone who's it it was, right? So I didn't leave them high and dry. You always want to, you know, do people how you want to be done, even though in DNI, I really do say it's the platinum rule, treat people how they want to be treated. Right. But in this specific (laughs) example, I wanted to leave them how I would have wanted to be left. But what I'm saying in that is when I really saw the time it was taken away from my family and it wasn't giving joy, I had to go. <laughs> so it is okay to walk away from right. volunteer opportunities as well. And I know that is probably an unpopular opinion to at least be voiced, but I'm here to voice it. <laughs> now, I think we need, I mean, because we all have boundaries and this is what I think that is, we're, I feel like it's a, it's being used more often, being talked about more often is having boundaries and being able to tell, you know, I I go back to Brene Brown, clear as kind, unclear as unkind. And that's stating, hey, I can't do that for you today or I can't, you know, whatever that boundary is. But when people know what that is, then they know how to treat you. And that, you know, so I know I'm going down a different road, but I just, that rings in my ears more often than it doesn't lately. And so I like to have hear about that more too. And I also, I mean, yes, we should all volunteer and, or not all, but volunteering for sure has been helpful to me of, you know, getting leadership skills right. meeting new people. I have friendship with Rob because we were peers and we served on a board together. And I mean, and it met you sitting back in the green room. I mean, this is because we volunteered and this is, it's, it has been saying yes to something like this. You don't know what opportunities might be there, but then also knowing to go, yeah, I don't want to do this other thing. That's okay too. You don't know unless you try. It's like, you're talking about your four-year-old daughter. It's like she wanted to try all these things. And I want to teach her what it's because we don't live in a society that's comfortable saying no. So we say yes to a bunch of things. And then we wonder why we're exhausted emotionally, mentally, physically. We're just tired. And I want her to learn what it looks like her. And I do have a one year old son. He's just one. So he definitely doesn't care about any of this. (laughs) So, So I want them to know what it's like to respectfully decline some opportunities to give yourself time to really lean into it, to into what is important to you. And I need them to know that they're prioritized. If, if the pandemic taught me nothing else, um, it, it's really how good it feels to really prioritize my family, um, which is another reason I, I am really enjoying what I do as well, because they're really big on putting family first. Um, 
here at the city. And so anyways, I know that's kind of touching on a few questions that we already answered, but I really want my daughter to know that she is prioritized and teach her at a young age how to say no, because we, we don't learn that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, we have talked with you quite a while. I do want to ask one question and then we always have end questions too. So those are the quick off the cuff, but first one is what's awesome about being you? Well, I've already talked about both, but I like to say my, my children, um, I love those little people. <laughs> I love my children. I love my husband too. He's an honorable mention here. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will also say my alopecia I really will you know there was a time like we just said that I would have never said that and it, right. it really has it just if I was to add to what I've already said about it it also I can I understand and can empathize with a lot of the work that I'm trying to do because I've been in it right not only tied to alopecia there's other examples but I know what it feels like to cover I know what people are experiencing in the workplace to be really tired um, and trying to avoid their colleagues because they don't want to talk about that one thing, right? That is real. That is, that is real life. Um, and so what makes me awesome is the very thing that I thought would help would hold me back. I love my alopecia. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that part of that was because you realized like in yourself being bold and realizing that it was okay after all of the things of the stories that you probably created in your head and that it was okay. It was that amazing. and, you know, there are some amazing stories. People have some amazing testimonies. I think that I get, I know that I get the opportunity to like give people permission to be themselves without ever talking to them. Like some people you have to hear their story and then be encouraged by it. You don't know how many people are like, I don't know why you're bald, but you are rocking it. Um, I just had the other day, someone walked up to me, whispered to me, I'm bald as well. And I hope one day I have the courage that you do um, to not wear wigs. Yeah. I get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, get to do, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even talked to her. I don't even know. I don't even know where she is right now. I don't know that young lady. Um, but yeah, for me, it's really giving people the permission just by, just by being me. I just get to walk yeah. around and say, you can be you. You can be you and you can be you too. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to roll into our end questions and these are just off the cuff. Don't think about them. But in the past year, what has been a revelation to you about yourself? Oh, wow. Oh, you said don't think, but I have to a little bit the past year. Uh, I can say that the past year, my, my son had some health stuff um, and a revelation about me is really giving myself permission to like, I can't control everything, right? Like with my son, I, of course, if I could wave a magic wand um, and, and fix it, I would. Um, but what does, what does not being able to control something really mean and to just sit with it and to just lean into, you know, how do I help him through this? It's been a beautiful journey. Um, it's just been a really beautiful experience and my family has grown closer out of it. And he's the happiest baby. You can tell anything is wrong. He's taught me so much in this last year though. Wow, that's awesome. All right, what mantra or motto do you use for yourself and that you like to share with others? Oh, wow. Um, those that matter don't mind and those that mind don't matter. 
And I know that sounds really mean that they don't matter. I will say I do this work for even the naysayers, okay? But really that's tied to, that was really what got me through with my alopecia, got me to the other side. If people care, they're not supposed to be in your life anyways, because those that that don't care and, and say that they love you and embrace you, those are the ones that should be around. Yeah, I think, well, I think there are probably plenty of people who maybe need to hear that sometimes whenever we think everybody needs to be our friend and they don't. Nope, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right. Copying from Brene Brown, she asked this and we're asking you, what do most people get wrong about you? Mm. you know and this is we've been touchy-feely on this on this podcast um I will say a lot of people get wrong that I that I'm strong all the time um and that I don't need someone to to say how are you doing mm. um so yeah that's what I would say like uh, yeah. I, a lot of people just expect oh Shay is strong so they don't check on me yeah. um and sometimes I may fall out crying the first few times that it happens because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> right. You know, so, right. So if you're one of the first few, don't worry if I cry on you. Um, but no, I, I, need to, I need to be soft sometimes. Good. Good for you. <laughs> all right. What recent TV show have you been obsessed with recently? This Is Us and All American. What's, oh, I don't know All American. All American is on the CW. It is amazing. You guys go check it out. <laughs> Okay, all-American. I mean, Rob usually knows all these, so uh, Rob yeah. even had a quizzical look. Yeah, is that is that football? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Oh, it's, tied, it's tied to football, but uh, it's just yeah. a lot of, of stories that are inspiring. Right. Okay. All right. What book, book or podcast do you tell people uh, that they must read or listen to? <laughs> Like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> Just yesterday, I was telling someone you have to listen to Sword and Scale. So I am a true crime junkie. Okay. okay. But I'm the scariest person you'll ever meet in your life. So why I listen to this these stories, I don't know. Um, but Sword and Scale all day long. Okay, say what you're saying. I don't know that. Sword and Scale. <laughs> it's a podcast that will change your life. Okay, because we'll put this in our notes. So Sword, like sword, S-W-O-R-D. Is that what you're saying? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay. Sword and scale. Okay. All right. Are you familiar with that one, Rob? Are you? Nope. nope. I want to be really clear that it is true crime. So it is not tied to what you were probably looking for in terms of like professional. <laughs> no. We, right nope. Now. Yeah. Nope. We love, we one love all of the entertainment parts too. Mm-mm. <laughs> So is this something Jackie Ramage would listen to as well? She would. We talked about it. We talked about it. Yes. Okay. Yes. On part. All right. How, last question. How can people connect with you? LinkedIn and Instagram. First name, last name. Shaylin Jackson. S-H-A-L-Y-N-N-E. Yes, S H L S H A L Y N N E Jackson, J A C K S O N. Okay. All right. We had a blast. Thank you. Thank Good. you for sharing you with us. So we appreciate it. Thank you for, for accepting all of me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rob.
You want to sign us out? I can do that. Thank you, Shaylin, for being our guest today. Tara, always a wonderful host with very enlightening questions. Uh, Till next week, everybody, have a safe and wonderful week. All right. Bye. All right. Bye, all. Thank <laughs> you.